Welcome to this episode of On the Air, a podcast for individuals interested in teaching and learning about the profession of occupational therapy. I'm Stephanie Lancaster, and this is the space for exchanging and informing as we talk about topics and ideas related to the field of OT. Occupational therapist Amy Cooper-Smith has worked as an educator and an occupational therapist for more than 25 years. Amy currently works as a lecturer speaking on topics related to children's independence and positive mental health. For 17 years, she worked as an OT supervisor, a clinician, and evaluator through AOTA workshops as well as national and regional conferences and online learning communities. In 2020, Amy created Captain Me, a video-based musical self-determination program for all children. Through the evidence-informed use of guided questioning, role play, music, puppets, and video modeling, Amy and her program help practitioners learn how to best use their pediatric sessions to promote motivation, engagement, and independence. Currently, Amy is pursuing her doctorate in occupational therapy at Temple University. Previously, she taught pediatric assessment and treatment at Mercy College and worked as a teacher in New York City. Amy's favorite hobby is writing songs about self-determination and mental health to promote children's independence. Well, welcome, Amy. Thank you so much for being on the air. I've been so looking forward to talking with you. Yes, same here. I'm very excited to uh, share my story and speak with you about occupational therapy. Yes, yes. You have a very interesting bio, which, you know, I shared with the listeners and I really want to get into it in just a second. But first, I want to ask you, how did you end up in the field of OT? So um, my first job was in public relations. I was in business. And when I had my children, uh, it was not a child-friendly career. They wanted me to travel, long hours, Mm -hmm. weekends. So at that point, I switched to teaching, which had been my minor in school. Okay. So when I switched to teaching, um, I picked health and physical education because uh, fitness and dancing have always been a passion for me. And I thought that was a good fit. So I went to school and in my last semester, they put up on the board, occupational therapy, special education and health and physical education. And they wrote down or adaptive physical education. So they wrote the columns and what the different roles were. And I was in my last semester and I said, I'm in the wrong column. (laughs) I not know that occupational therapy was a better fit for me. So at that point I had to decide if I was going to go back for a second master's degree, you know, have that whole life change. I was a single mom at the time. So I said, if this is meant to be universe, show me the way. (laughs) And uh, one of my friends told me about a scholarship through the New York City Department of Ed for occupational therapy. They paid for everything. And I applied and did it. It took me years to finish it. But when I did finish it, it was the best fit ever. So that, that's kind of how I entered the field. Well, I've not heard a story like that before. Um, that is really fabulous. And, you know, it's cool that you did have the education degree and even the PR degree, because yes. I think as we're going to discuss in just a minute, that really plays into what you are doing now. Right. Yes. It, the, the pieces have kind of 
fallen into place. And I always wondered, I said, I have all these different experiences. Yeah. I wonder if there's a way I can use them all. And this year has been proof that that is possible. Yes, yes, it really has. Well, what was your first job as an OT? So my first and only full-time job uh-huh. was with the New York City Department of Ed, where I worked for 17 years. Okay. And uh, what was very cool about working for the New York City Department of Ed was uh, it was a love affair because, I mean, I'm sure some people would say, you know, it's such a bureaucracy. Why would you say it's a love affair? But what was so interesting about it is that um, th- there were so many opportunities for changing up your role as an OT. So I, in those 17 years, I held many different roles. And so I started out as a school-based OT, working, you know, just as most other school OTs do, Mm -hmm. working in the classroom and in an OT room with children of various ages. Uh, And so that first job was actually not too much of a a leap for me because I had been a teacher. So I was used to being in the schools. And uh, so I worked, you know, just using my education to the best of my ability. And then after a couple of years, I was asked if I would be interested in some other roles. They have a lot of different kinds of things that you can uh, apply for different uh, positions. So I worked three days a week in the school and two days a week as a mentor to other therapists. So I did that for a couple of years. And then they asked me if I would want to join the um, evaluation team. And I did that for quite a number of years. And I loved that because I love writing. And I just feel like as an evaluator, you really get to use all your skills as an OT. Um, And so I I just loved that role. And eventually I was on a a team of people who created an evaluation tool for the New York City Department of Ed. And so we created, I think, just an amazing tool that all the therapists continue to use to this day that helps them uh, use a combination of clinical observation and standardized tests to really get a full picture of a child's function. So that was a, a, just a blessing. And then I became a supervisor for the last seven years that I was there. And um, I loved that because I have so much admiration for OTs and it was just a, a blessing to be able to go into schools and watch the creativity and devotion of the therapists and also to partner with them and problem solve because we know when OT, we're always being hit with new problems. And so yes. sometimes- some of those problems can be a bit overwhelming, and that's when I would jump in and try and help come up with solutions to those concerns. Well, I, I really admire that. I think that's a cool path to have come through so far. Um, and I actually was a school district OT and in some other roles too for 19 years. So you and I have that in common. Yes, and and like you, I kind of morphed sort of serendipitously it wasn't really intentional but into some different roles along the way and so that's interesting and it's really fun when that happens because it keeps keeps you from getting bored in a job I think absolutely and and I just feel like all the experiences along the way uh, informed me and taught me yes even as a supervisor watching what some of the other therapists were doing and creating was just an inspiration 
So it really I, is. It's just a, it's a vessel of energy that you get to see that just keeps you, like you said, loving your job. I mean, for all 19 of those years, I loved my job. Now, no job is perfect. There's always, you know, pieces of it that you wish you didn't have to do, or it's not your favorite, but it's really, we're so lucky to have a career that yeah. we feel that way about. Cause I don't know that a whole lot of people get the, to do that. Right. And, you know, when you look at the overall role of our job, no matter what setting you're in, that we're helping people achieve their roles, perform their roles that are important yes. to them. What better job could you have the, the, the satisfaction when it works and you see someone getting back to what they really want to be able to do? It's such a great, great feeling. It really is. It is. Well, let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about this term that we're going to focus on today, self-determination. How, yeah. how do you define that or how can we understand that? So self-determination, um, I look at it, you know, I'm just being very uh, informal here, mm -hmm. as doing what you love to do in life. That's it. Being able to do what is important to you. So, um, you know, over the years, uh, I can get into this now. I mean, I could talk all day about self-determination because yeah. it's such a passion for me. And that's what I've been doing since I left that job with the New York City Department of Ed. And in various ways, I've been focusing on self-determination. <clears throat> so what I found, um, actually the original, the, I can't even go back far enough to talk about the original way I got into it. As a dancer, I used to teach elderly dance students and I always treated them as if they were going to perform at Lincoln Center like why of course oh, they wow didn't. It didn't happen that way but yeah why, why limit our vision and actually they were featured on a news uh show at one point so uh, it you know oh, they that's really were fabulous right and they were all in their 80s and you know some even in their 90s and so that was even before I got involved in education or occupational therapy because I always felt like you know let people do the best that they possibly can why should we limit our vision of what people are capable of yeah. so then um, when I became a teacher I studied uh there was a, a researcher named Muska Mostan out of Israel who talked about having children self-teach. And yeah. his lessons really resonated with me because I just said, you know, I know what's important to me. And if somebody just keeps telling me what I have to do yes. instead of allowing me to do what I want to do, what's meaningful for me, I don't like that. I don't like being told, you know, no, you can't do that. You have to do this. So I wanted to find ways to inspire my students in physical education. So every class we had, the children could make choices and figure out solutions to things and do self-teaching. They always had forms that they could fill out to show what they were doing at home that was going to help them reach their personal goal. So that was back then in the 1990s. And then in the 2000s, when I started working in occupational therapy, that was in me already. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of carried that into my practice with students. And then when I became a supervisor in the in about 2013, um, I started thinking about how I could help the other OTs to shift gears a little bit and think about having it be more client centered. 
you know, I find that it's very easy to slip into a kind of um, therapist led session. It's very it is. easy. It is. Yes. And um, it's much harder to think about how you're going to structure a session so that the child is doing the leading. But once you make that shift, it's not so hard anymore. It's just kind of changing your way of thinking, the way of structuring sessions. And once that shift happens, it's not so hard anymore. So I began doing trainings with the therapists on how to do self-monitoring and child-led sessions. And that happened in, you know, around 2013, 14, I started leading these trainings. And then since then it has just taken off. Um, I've given uh, webinars and live uh, workshops through AOTA, through various um, different professional development companies. And I'm still continuing to do that work today where I, I'll, you know, give a workshop on one aspect of self-determination. And I really believe that when children are able to uh, understand what we're asking of them to kind of take charge and think for themselves, they just run to it. They love it, it's meaningful to them and it changes them. And then as a therapist, it changes me too. Yeah, I love the way you describe that. You know, I guess I think of self-determination. I always try to take what part of the word and use that kind of as a hint to myself, but it's so that someone can determine for themselves a choice, what they want to do. And I guess that's where the term comes from. But um, like you, I always felt like it, it's, I have always felt like it's important for everybody to have a choice, even a baby. And certainly, you know, a child, a teenager, an adult, an older adult, all of us. I mean, it, in, I think of it as sort of a, what I call the clinical carrot, you know, whatever motivates you is going to be something that you've had some voice or autonomy in, not just what somebody's telling you to do, because nobody likes to be bossed around like that. Right. And they're, they're already, children just in general already have so many choices that are removed from them. They have yes. to go to school. They've yes. got to put on their clothes and get there. They've got to eat breakfast and lunch. Like they have all, they have to eat in the lunchroom or wherever the heck they put them, you know. Yeah. Those choices are removed from them. So the more we can provide those choices that are meaningful to them, we're changing their whole perspective on learning and on what their future holds for themselves. Yes, I could not agree more. And I think that's so important. And for any listeners who are not in peds, this, it goes to adults too, really. I mean, just think, I mean, like you said, it's so easy to think in my head, these are the six things I want to do with this client, even if it's a, you know, a 60 year old. And then they get in there and they're like, well, I, I don't like that. Or I did that, you know, with somebody else yesterday or, you know, so you have to kind of pivot, but, but if you have their choice in there, it's so much easier to do that. And it's just, you know, everybody's happier. Absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. So talk to me then about the Captain Me program. How did it come about? What is it? What do we need to know? Right. So, well, I had an interesting experience. You know, um, I retired from my full-time job about uh, just about two years ago from now. And um, 
of course, I didn't know that a pandemic was on the horizon. At the yes, time. yeah. And, uh, my idea was, uh, first of all, the reason I retired, because you know, I loved that job and it broke yes. my heart. So yeah. I had, health, I had some health issues of my own and I was commuting close to four hours per day, which I had Whoa. done for years. Woo. So it was getting to a point where I was at an age and a health status where I just felt that it was not appropriate to keep commuting for that amount of time. Yes, that's a lot. Right. It was it was a bit much. And my family kept pressuring me and I kept to, to leave the job. They said, it's too much for you. You've got to stay home and do something else. And I kept saying, no, 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 I love this job. But finally, I said, okay, and that was in uh, January of 2020. So we know what happened in yes. 2020. So yeah, I feel I, like I should play some like threatening background music as you say that, <laughs> like da 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 da. Exactly. So I left that position, and my thought was that I was going to do uh, private evaluations for you know for a company maybe who contracted with the school system or something like that. Because I, as I mentioned, I love doing OT evaluations. And then become a Zumba instructor because I love dancing. So that was my plan. And on somewhere around March 17th, I was supposed to meet with the other Zumba instructor who was going to mentor me. And I was going to teach my first uh, class as a Zumba instructor. And the gyms all shut down. Oh, right at, at that exact time. Exact moment. So... Now I was in an interesting place because I wasn't about to go into people's homes or set up private evaluations with this pandemic that no, at that time nobody knew what it was so or how contagious it was. So, you know, because of my own health issues, I said, no, 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 this is not a good idea to be yeah. going out there. Yeah. I mean, and you then, had to take it seriously right off the bat. Exactly. And then also, um, uh, you know, in terms of Zumba, uh, the gyms were shut down. So I had no choice. That was it. So I was kind of left in limbo. Yeah. So I started taking these long walks every day because I said, I got to stay in shape. And I would do little Zumba classes at home on like Zoom, you know, Zoom classes and YouTube classes uh, that other people would teach just to stay involved. But then I would take these long walks and they became almost meditative walks. And as I was walking, I said, you know, I used to make up songs all the time for OT. I was actually going to show you uh, some of my, in OT school, because one of your questions was you asked, how do you, um, what would you suggest as a hack or a tip for OT yes. students? So I used to make these little um, index cards because I was a single mom at the time. And actually you can't see that, so I'll show you the dark ones. So I would make these um, index cards because I, I couldn't really see when there's too much on a page, it was just yeah. too hard for me to learn that way. Yeah. So, so it's like a flashcard or almost kind of like a little study guide or cheat sheet, I guess we could call yeah. it. And I have boxes of them. Boxes. You and do. Wow. One. I had boxes. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. Every chapter, every subject that we were studying, I would make all these cards and um, I never put more than maybe five points on a card so that it wasn't overwhelming. And yeah. then I would go to the playground with my kids with the cards. I mm -hmm. would go wherever and I would take the cards with me everywhere. And yes. while I was pushing my children on the swing, I'd be 
uh, singing the songs from like I would make up little songs as mnemonic devices and I'd be singing with them. My children remember the songs to this day. Oh, that's really funny. <laughs> so, um, so as I was, so that's the background. Uh, and I, of course, I have a music background myself uh, from childhood. Yes. So as I was taking these walks in 2020, I started singing songs about self-determination. They just started flying into my head. And uh, so I made the first one, which was about setting goals. That's called My Goal. And I think you saw that one. Yes. Uh, I sent a little um, um, sample of that. And then I started just making more and more songs about different aspects of self-determination. And what I really wanted to do was make a song that was fun, that was easy to remember, and that children could just sing for years as a positive affirmation on whatever that topic is. So for my goal, we know it's my goal, my goal, it's what I really wanna do. I'm achieving it for me and not for you. So that's the, the first one. But all the songs are like that. It's right at the front of the song. There's something that's important for them to remember about themselves and about self-determination. And um, so I made these songs and then I said, okay, now what do I do with them? I've got these songs. I have no idea what to do with these songs. Yeah. So I call people that I know, because I come from a showbiz family. So I'm calling, calling, calling <laughs> around. And um, I mean, really, I, everybody in my family is somehow involved in showbiz. So I called my cousin in Canada who runs a theater and film department out of York University. And I was asking him questions and he kept saying, well, if I was doing this project, here's how I'd do it. And he kept saying, if I was doing it, here's what I would do. So then I said, well, can you do it? <laughs> and he said, yes, but he could only do it during the break because he's a professor. So he said he was free from December 2020 to December 15th to January 15th of 2020, uh, 2021, that one month. So I said, okay, let's do it. So I wrote scripts and we created this puppet who is a character and um, he's a very uh, sweet puppet who's supposed to be like a reflection of a typical child who would go to OT mm -hmm. um, and very sweet natured, but maybe struggling a bit. And so he, each little lesson starts with him struggling with some issue related to self-determination. And then he comes and talks to me and then myself and a character named Mr. David, who is the singer, because my voice isn't good enough for this. So <laughs> someone who had a great voice and he sings the song to the puppet. And then at the end, the puppet learns his lesson and, uh, you know, sings the song himself. But what I included in each lesson that I think is the really important aspect is that there are two points where you stop the video and the therapist or teacher, because it could also be used by a special ed teacher or a, a therapist or even a guidance counselor. It's not discipline specific. Uh, anyone who wants to teach children about self-determination uh, self could use this. Um, and in those points of pause, there are questions to ask the child because I wanted this to be a self-determination activity. So if yes. it was all passive, it would not really be true to the topic of self-determination. So during those pauses, the child has to 
dig within themselves and find answers, solutions, ideas for themselves on how to handle certain challenges. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. That's fabulous. And I love that it's, that makes it interactive for sure. The pausing part. So yeah, well, I, I, one thing, another thing I really like about that is that, you know, kids like watching cartoons and, you know, they, I mean, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it's kind of automatically motivating to do that. And then they're learning about things that are so important in the scheme of their life, not just in that session or not just at school. Right. And, and what I thought to myself as I was creating the songs, I said, how many of us know the words to ring around the rosy? And I know I'm in my 60s and I still know the words to ring around the rosy. It stayed with yeah. me my entire life. So if I could create songs that were simple enough and catchy enough that these children, especially children with disabilities, mm-hmm. could sing these songs for their entire life to remind themselves to take charge of their own lives. Yes. You know, and not the adults won't always do that for them. So they need to remind themselves to do it. You know, I, um, I worked for the school system. So uh, long enough, and I bet you did too, where I was privileged to be able to get to really know some of the students that I, the children that I worked with. And, you know, if I were, I, there was a, a pair of twins that I worked with from the time they were in early elementary school all the way until the time they graduated from high school. And um, one of those young women is on Facebook. She's over 30 now. And um, so she and I are friends on Facebook and we actually text and talk to each other. Um, She has a podcast also. And um, that's called where there's a wheel um, because she's in a wheelchair and she kind of talks about her experience as someone with cerebral palsy who, um, she actually is in grad school getting her degree in social work right now. And, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, one of the things that we've talked about over the years is, you know, I I asked her, what could I have done better when I was your OT? You know, if you remember back when you were maybe, you know, a teenager in high school, was there anything I could have done differently? And she said, well, as a whole, the one thing that she wished that the adults around her, especially the school employees like me would have done differently really was self-determination. It was, it was not just giving her choice, but teaching her to advocate for herself. Mm -hmm. And so that relates, you know, even for older kids, it's, it's such an important topic that, you know, I don't know that we think to write goals about that or even to incorporate it in our sessions. We hear from students sometimes that, you know, people aren't doing their accommodations or, you know, what the accommodations are in place aren't really helping them enough or there's bullying going on or, you know, different struggles. And there may be something like this as a platform to help them stand up for themselves instead of us fighting their battles. Exactly. And, you know, I I know you've probably come across this yourself, especially if for anyone who's worked with older students, when they're in middle school and high school, we know that there's an end date to our occupational therapy with them. Yes. And sometimes parents 
and students forget about that. And they just keep going and going. And all of a sudden, there's an end date. And now there is nobody to advocate for them. For them. Yes, yes. There's nobody with the expertise, you know, and they haven't learned how to take this on themselves. And it's such an opportunity missed. And so I wanted to see, you know, as I said, it happened kind of in an unusual way where this program formed. But once it started, I said, wow, this could become a way that people, you know, young adults, teenagers with disabilities can take charge. And of course, it goes all the way back to when they're very young to mm -hmm. take charge mm -hmm. of those decisions, the choices, the problem solving, all those aspects of self-determination. And of course, the self-advocacy. So yes, it's so important. Thrill, it's a thrill for me to actually be involved. And, you know, it's just about to uh, be completed, the program. So it's really an exciting time. Well, that's the next thing I want to ask you is how can listeners and, and I keep up with that? How can we get, you know, involved or try to use the program as it gets ready for release? So I'll just show you, I just printed this out because I, the booklets are going to be ready in about two weeks, but this is Cappy. Okay. And you've seen him because you've seen the video, but some of our viewers may not have seen him. Yeah. And so he's the one, he's in a wheelchair because he has spina bifida. Okay. And so he talks about that in the program. And um, what I would say is the website is supposed to be up by December. So uh, awesome. it's a little premature to send people to the website because there won't, it's not even available yet. But if anybody wants to, they can write to me right now at captainmekids at gmail.com. Okay. Will come right to me. So I will Captain put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, so people can, can click right on the right uh, email address. So okay, fabulous. And then what I can do, then I'll have uh, a list of people so that I can send a notice. Once that website is up and running, I'll give everybody the information about how to access the website and they can come see Cappy in, in live in his performance. So pe will people need to subscribe or is it, you know, is there a cost involved? How will that work? So there are two ways, um, you know, I had the option of doing this through grants, in which case I wouldn't have to charge anybody, mm -hmm. but I know how grants work. Yes. And I wanted to do this during the pandemic, which meant I knew there was a limit to the time yes. and I had to hire the puppeteer and the puppet builder and the singer uh, guitarist and the director and producer, all those people. So yeah. I said, let me just use my own money. I dug into my retirement account <laughs> yeah. and said, I'm going to just do this. And I spent my own money. So now I have to charge money. So, of course. Yes. And it's very professionally done. It's not, you know, it's not like somebody that did it in their kitchen. I mean, right. it's very no. professionally done. So yeah, it's, it has that Sesame street style. It does. I mean, the, the Cappy looks kind of like a Muppet. I mean, right. not again, not like a sock puppet that you just made at your kitchen table, right. <laughs> how I might've done it. Cause I don't know a puppet builder. So yeah. So um, anyway, so uh, for parents, they can uh, subscribe for $29 mm -hmm. a year. For, and they access the whole thing, all the lessons. The only difference is they get a parent guide as opposed to a professional guide. So okay. it's $29.99 for parents or anybody who doesn't care to get 
the professional guide. Okay. So the parent guide is a little bit more casual and uh, doesn't have specific activity worksheets the way the professional guide does. Okay. There's a few, but they're very, it's much more limited. It's just very casual. The professional guide is $49.99 for one year. All right. That um, includes all the videos and the guide itself, which is um, uh, 88 pages and it's full of reproducible activities for oh. each lesson. And um, then there's also an option because some schools and libraries don't have the capacity for subscriptions or internet. Yes, so yes. I did it the uh, option. So the DVD is the same price, uh, $29.99 for parents, $49.99 for professionals. And um, it's just would be mailed. And then of course there's a shipping fee, uh, mm -hmm. which we have figured out yet but we will yeah. and uh, then it gets sent to the person's home or business wherever they choose and uh, then they have that dvd forever and the booklets are you know easily um, reproduced ongoing but that they're pretty hardy stock so they should last a while i love that you thought about how to do that very equitable um or equitably um it is true that a lot of schools, their internet's not always great. Or if somebody is doing, um, you know, homebound students or, you know, if the therapist is working like that, they just may not have access to a good online, good quality internet. Exactly. So that would be a great option. So, well, I'm really excited to see more of it. What I have seen was fabulous. It, it made me want to get back in the clinic and, you know, grab some kids that I could work with because I, I just think it'll be fun for everybody involved. Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, I also wanted to mention one of the more exciting and challenging uh, aspects of my life right now is that I uh, recently started on my doctorate. And uh, so I'm at Temple University and right now I'm in the process of designing the research study that uh, will be part of my studies there. And it looks like Captain Me will be the research study. We're looking at uh, an outcome study to see how children are able to gain foundational skills of self-determination through these lessons. So that's very exciting to me. Yes, that is fantastic. As, as I was watching it, because I didn't know that, you know, when I was first watching the, the module that you sent me, and I was thinking, we need some, uh, we need a study on this, we need some right. research, some evidence, because, you know, we're evidence based practitioners. And um, I think that's exactly the right path to take. And, and I right. look forward to seeing the outcome of that. And I did use a uh, evidence for everything that I put into the program is all evidence-based. It's from uh, leaders such as Michael Waymeyer, who is the self-determination uh, professor who kind of took self-determination and put it out there with the teachers and practitioners. And he's been doing this for, you know, 25, 30 years. Um, and so I, I followed him and, you know, his studies and a lot of other studies on the use of puppets, the use of music, you know, everything in there. And I'm going to have references on the website to show people because, you know, our institutions where we work, they want to know why should yes. we fork out $49.99 for this program? 
And you can say, well, here, look at how these evidence-based um, studies that show that all these different aspects of the program really do work. So that was my intention. Very impressive. That's really fantastic to have that on the front end and then you're taking it further in the realm of OT. So I think that'll be perfect. I have one more thing that I did want to add. Yes. Right at that time when the gyms all shut down, Uh I had the most amazing thing happen, which was that my former colleague from the New York City Department of Ed, who had left and started his own uh, professional development company, called me and asked me if I was busy. And I said, absolutely not. I am not busy. So I started doing webinars for him. The name of the company is Apply EBP, which is so relevant because his whole professional development company, all the courses that he offers are on evidence-based practice strategies. So um, I have been doing, I think I'm up to something like my 10th webinar with him. I mean, I just, he keeps having me create new ones and, and um, share them. And so that is all about self-determination. And each webinar that I give is on a different aspect of self-determination. So I'm happy to share that website. If people are interested, they can look into those courses. And by the way, he has great information and hacks on his websites that are just free for the taking, you know, so you don't even have to take a course to benefit. You can just look up all these great articles and uh, information. Awesome. Well, yes. Um, if you send that to me, I will definitely put that as well as your Gmail address in the show notes. So people can go straight to that. Terrific. Thank you so much. This has just been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please share about the podcast To help us connect with others interested in occupational therapy and OT-related topics. Thanks again, and I look forward to engaging via future episodes. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.